Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the peace of the week. host for today's episode of But Where Are You From? A podcast by BC where East and Southeast Asians living in the UK can be heard, they can be loud and I was going to say be seen but this is a podcast so that's not going to happen but you can head on over to the social medias of my three incredible guests today to catch a peek of them. Um, I follow all of you obviously and I'm constantly in awe of what you're doing because not only do you juggle work life you're all very active in the EC community advocating for causes with various projects but also you juggle mum lives so raising shaping nourishing with an emphasis on nourishing um, considering what some of you do uh, small tiny humans or tiny dictators as sometimes I call my daughter and uh, speaking from experience as I have a three-year-old daughter myself uh, that is no small feat so for example my daughter woke up at 5 a.m this morning and she came to our room and she's like mommy I'm cold I need a blanket and it's boiling outside she's still got her winter blanket we haven't changed it but this is our daily morning now this is how we wake up so anyway that's just an example without further ado uh please could you all tell me but where are you from and tell us a little bit about yourselves Hi, I'm Georgie. I am a British-born Chinese. Um, and where am I really from? So, oh, it's such a big question. I never know how to answer it, but I'm just from Macclesfield <laughs> in the south of Manchester. But my parents emigrated from um, the UK. No, not from the UK. They immigrated from uh, Hong Kong and China. And um, I have a podcast as well, an Instagram page called Chinese Chippy Girl. And I have a daughter... She's the love of my life. I love her. Like, can we just talk about her for just like two minutes? I love her. I effing love her. She's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And um, she's two and a half. She's called Sadie. And I, or I call her more, which means little girl in Cantonese. And yeah, I love her. I love her. I love her. Hopefully one day when she's a, a little moody teenager, she'll be listening to this. She'll be like, oh, you know, my mummy loves me. <laughs> Your mummy loves you, but can you just come home at 10 o'clock, please? <laughs> I'm Hung Black. I'm British-born Um my I'm born in Glasgow, but I feel like I'm from Croydon. So whenever someone asks me, I say I'm from Croydon, you know, where Kate Moss and Stormzy are from. Uh, yeah, my, my best mates. Um, and yeah, my parents were Vietnamese Chinese refugees and they came over in 1980 after a year in the refugee camp in Hong Kong. Um, I have a 10-year-old boy, his name's Nairin, and I've got a six-year-old girl called Anne Wen. And yeah, I mean, I feel like, I mean, they're really good kids. I don't really feel like I do much parenting, um, but I'm, you know, just here to listen to you guys and see what you guys, you know, see what you guys have to say. And I'll tell you, it should be, you know, it gets easier as they get older, I think, is the thing. Oh, I love their names. Yeah, they're Welsh, they're half Welsh. My husband's Welsh, so I gave them Welsh names. Uh, which okay. I thought would be easier to pronounce than Chinese names, but it's, it's, I think it's a struggle for lots of people anyway. So kind of giving them the same fate that I had. I was having I a unpronounceable mist spelling mistake as a first name, really. So That's something we have in common, isn't it? I think all our kids are mixed heritage as well. So that adds a sort of another layer. I, well, personally, for me, it does onto the whole thing. Uh, but yes, Liz, how about you? Hey, I'm Liz. Um, I'm a Singaporean born, but half British. Um, I live in the UK and I run May May restaurant and I have a wonderful but very, very exhausting three-year-old named Riley Byron. And he is the love of my life as well. He was a real little spark of joy, but he's um, testing us, let's put it that way. We're going through the three-nager phase. So it's uh, <laughs> testing is, is, is putting it lightly. But, um, sorry, I am based in Borough Market. So if you hear the trains go overhead, uh, that is the noise. And I'll try and mute myself where I can. <laughs> Not a problem at all, because I was just mentioning earlier how, you know, this is a demonstration of what it is to be, you know, working while being a mum as well. Like you just have to fit all these things in. So, no, I appreciate all of you taking part. Uh, but, yeah, I was going to say, how are you all doing? Obviously, Lizzie just mentioned that Riley's going through the three major stage. I'm saying Robin, she's pushing all the buttons. She's so contrary 
she wants to do the opposite of anything we say um and yeah it, it's definitely very wearing uh but how about how about the rest of you how are you doing over to hung yeah um how am i doing yeah fine really i mean like lockdown was tough not because like the kids are bad they're both really good kids it's just it was just lockdown was tough for everyone homeschooling was tough um it's easier now they're in school and they're enjoying themselves they're much happier now they're in school I don't know really. I don't really know what to say really because they're just they're just nice kids I don't know oh, yeah. um but you know they're nice kids they can wipe their own bums um they sleep through the night you would hope <laughs> a 10 year old would sleep through the night and wipe his own bum wouldn't you really um yeah, so I guess I'm, I'm I was like saying before they're kind of at that stage, they've got uh, out of that kind of difficult toddler stage, um, but not reached the teenage difficult stage. So I've got I've got a nice few years at the moment. I'm in that kind of golden era, I guess, of of parenting. I'd say. Do any of you have that thing where when someone talks about when their kids are much younger, say when they were one or two years old, I've completely forgotten what it's like it's somehow erased from my memory and then someone will bring up say you know uh waking up to breastfeed in the middle of the night I'm like oh yeah yeah I forgot about that that was really hard do you get like selective memory loss I think because Sadie's two and a half and um I don't I, I'm not at that memory loss just yet um although the only memory loss I do have was how painful it was like giving birth that is just like completely forgotten about that um and but yeah I don't know I think because my I think my Sadie's probably younger than all your kids I think just a little bit younger um so I still I still uh, remember like the hard breastfeeding days and how how much of a struggle that was but um, I don't know about you guys I remember it and I can sort of tell the stories but I don't feel the pain necessarily now that I've kind of further away from it do you know what I mean so like I remember how hard breastfeeding was I remember how long it took me to establish breastfeeding I remember like all the leaky boobs and all that sort of stuff and just stale milk everywhere or just squirting everywhere do you know what I mean I remember all of it but like it's a long time ago so I can laugh about it now I don't kind of I don't sort of get PTSD from it anymore you know kind of over that stage now so um but yeah I mean like yeah I mean I can if you ask me I will I've got quite a good memory for things like that so I will I do I do remember like how hard potty training was and I don't know night feeds and stuff like that and teething you know I mean it's such a relief when all the teeth come through I mean the first two years where like they're constantly teething it's just horrendous and when they get their 20 teeth it's just such a relief you know so now I'm at the stage where Alma's lost the first two teeth now you know she's got her adult teeth in and it's kind of cute so yeah yeah one prepared me to how difficult teething would be um i was just like every, I, I was just totally unprepared for that like mm. every like every like you, you just about get through this like sleeping pattern and then oh here comes a tooth and completely ruin yeah everything oh yeah no i think i've still got a, it etched very clearly in my memory of the the teething and we're going we've just done the potty training and it's pretty uh <laughs> it's just stepping in piles of poo. Do you know what I mean? Playing with it. Just, <laughs> play with it. What are you doing? We went over to a friend's house and um, they had a bike helmet on the floor, and their daughter thought it was a potty, and she peed <gasps> in the bike oh, really? helmet. Put it on I her head. I think he was about to, but he didn't. <laughs> Just don't leave your bike helmet on the floor, basically, because they oh might. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is hilarious! <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that actually moves us on to: Is there anything that has either made you laugh or cry that um, that your children have done this week or this month, even um, anything hilarious? Like with Robin, um, she does this thing where if we want her to share something and she doesn't want to, she'll put on this really grumpy face and she'll go, "Sharing is not caring." And she's got a really good way now of not only throwing back things at us that we said to her, but subverting it and making it work for her. And it's, I'm just like, what can I say to that? Like I've been outwitted by my own child and I'm not speechless. So yeah, do you guys have anything like that? That's so funny. Um, So just talking about uh, toilet training. So I'm in that process of toilet training right now. I'm on day five. It's a fucking, fucking nightmare. And um, this is actually, we actually try to, 
I actually tried to potty train her um, during Easter time, just because between myself and my partner, we had um, five days off. So I thought, oh, this is this will be fine. And then I kept hearing stories say, oh yeah, I potty trained my daughter in three days. I'm like, she'll be fine. She'll be all right. Do you know what? I reckon she'll nail it in two days. No, I fucking didn't. I didn't. Like it took, I, I tried toilet training her in, in 10 days and we made minimal, minimal progress, like like 1% progress. And she was stressed, I was stressed, me and my partner were arguing and it's just, it just wasn't worth it. But now, um, but yeah, but we started, I started toilet training her um, on Saturday and it's actually going not too bad. However, um, um, she is really constipated because obviously it's such a big change from pooing in a nappy to pooing in a, a toilet. So, uh, and I remember when I first toilet trained her back in uh, Easter, um, when she was constipated, I gave her these, um, these it's called lactulose. It's like these like mm. medicine, yeah. So I thought, I'm just going to give her those as well. Like I started it, oh my God, on <laughs> on. On Monday, I think it was, um, she had the biggest shit <laughs> and it was like, it was horrendous. It was horrendous, right? And then uh, you could see it through a nappy, it seeped through a nappy, went all the way down the back of her leg and she was in her pyjamas and I had to peel her pyjamas off. And uh, you know that like, you shouldn't really react to, to kids. Mm. I was just like, <laughs> and she was like, and she was like kicking her leg and then a shit go everywhere. It's all over my mum's wall. It's on the floor. It was like on the door. So obviously I had to like, she just came out of a bath as well. So then I had to wash her again. And then like, I washed her, that's all fine. And then I cleaned my mum's like floors and the walls and everything, bleached everything and looked down at myself. There was shit all over me. Oh, and it was no. just like... Do I laugh or cry? I don't know. I think I did like a bit of both, but it was it was horrendous. Like it was in my hair. Oh God. But um, yeah, so I've not given her any lactose. Um, but How she's still constipated. How do they hold so much poo? Like they're so no. tiny. Where where does it get stored? She eats so much <laughs> um, But She eats so much. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, because she, like yesterday, she hasn't pooed yet neither. But uh, so this is such a poo topic, but um, I don't know, like she keeps clenching her, like clenching her bum and holding her bum and she keeps farting, which absolutely stings. And I'm like, girl, just, just poo, honestly, just poo. We'll have a poo party, you know, whatever you need to do, just poo. She's like, so, I got um I got a book about animal poo. Not about it was basically this like the mole and the, some another animal pooed on his head and he had to go and find like some other animals and and whose poo it was. But it just meant that we got talking about poo and looking at poo and we used to talk about it because my son had separation anxiety from his poo basically. <laughs> and one of the things they say is to really normalise it. So you kind of look at it. Oh well done, you've done a little sausage. Oh well, done. you know. So it's like so they're not scared of it. We didn't have this with my daughter, but like with my son, we had to like. Like, yeah, talk about it. Because, oh, yeah, your one looks a bit like the goat's poo today. You know, that kind of thing. So I don't know whether that would help Sadie at all. I don't know. We had, like, a book that was called Super Poopers or something. Like, or Super Troopers or something. And then it's, like, little cartoons that are, like, superheroes. That one worked really well with Riley. But we're still, like, we started the potty training maybe Christmas. So when we shut down May May for two weeks, I was like, okay, I think it's a good time to try attempt it with still and I both not being at work. And... Even now, he still definitely craps his pants like at nursery. They, they actually give back his clothes and it says wet from wet play or poo on it. So it's me a little heads up, mm. um, which is pretty horrendous sometimes when I don't see the bag right and I'm just like sticking my hand right in there. And oh. It's just like, oh. <laughs> right? you just love your own children when you just kind of like you're handling this stuff. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. How do they hold so much poo in one little child? I don't know. But it is wild. Um, but this actually brings back memories of when um when Robin was really small. So you know, up to six months old, they sleep in the same room as you, right? So she had like a side cot that was onto ours. And I did the thing where when she needed her nappy changed at night, I'd do it in the complete pitch darkness. Like I had done it so much, I could do it without having to see her. And so one time as I was changing her, I didn't realise I put my whole hand in her poo because she had done it. Uh, <laughs> and then the smell didn't come off my hand for like 
two weeks <laughs> like, oh it's radioactive it's literally sticks to your hand <laughs> yeah. oh gosh I love this I love that um especially since becoming a mum I literally can't stop talking about poo wee farts bogeys constantly so, like yeah <laughs> it's a window to their soul isn't it you know it's so much is learned from a child's nappy you know you can tell so much from a child's nappy and how happy they yeah. are because they can't so. tell you can they so no. yeah yeah that's true I love, I love it when they uh this is that's all this talk talking about poo people listen to this podcast like, oh my god we just shut up but just one more thing before i stop talking about it or we can carry on talking about it is that i really analyze sadie's poos like whenever she has a poo in a nappy i really analyze it and i'm like okay well that's that's really soft that's really big you've been eating your you know all your fetch and stuff like that and you've been having lots of water and like last week um i didn't i think we were kind of out this is before like uh, potty training but because we were out and i forgot to bring her water like i mean she did do a poop it was like really small and pebbly i'm like oh, I feel really bad you know so um but yeah oh God, i i totally analyzed like the whole thing i'm just like you know mushing it with the, with the nappy in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean i've i've i remember because i'm four years older than my sister so i really remember my mum and dad potty training my, my sister and I think I don't know whether they did it in a really Chinese way, but like basically, like if my sister was constipated, they'll give her chrysanthemum tea. You know, like the chrysanthemum tea you get yeah. in the carton, they're really sweet yeah. stuff. And I don't yeah. know whether that's good, supposed to be good for like constipation, but that's what they used to give her. And then my mum used to do like encouraging noises when she was like on the t- on the potty to kind of get her to like yeah. squeeze at the right <laughs> time and stuff like that. And I don't know whether that it's just my family and my mum, whether it's just like whether she was particularly Chinese about it. She used to kind of go. Like that and then he's supposed to like like let go like stop clenching you know um so I kind of did that with my daughter a little bit and I was like oh my god I'm turning to my <laughs> that's important though those folklore remedies we need to learn about it because I feel like what I learned say in antenatal classes was like uh bicycle legs or you know you know rubbing their tummy in the moon yeah. like the moon and the, and I'm just like oh but I should really ask my own mum because she raised six kids so she surely she knows she knows she knows yeah. she yeah she and it's like exactly. they didn't have disposable nappies back then did they so I think like they might have started like potty training sooner maybe because they wouldn't have to get out of cough nappies so like, how did they how did they do it did they just go around like catching catching the poo you know I don't know it just seems remarkable like we've got all this stuff and equipment and we've got like Tommy Tippy little bins you know to get rid of like these nappies and stuff like what what did they do when they're like I don't know in the jungle well whatever <laughs> I don't know how did they do it hand washing they hand washed hand washing yeah, yeah. Definitely. And um, do you ever do that thing where, say in the past, before, like pre-kids with your partner, you'd obviously be like, how's work? Oh yeah, I'm going out tonight, gonna watch a film. But now, say Robin's just done a poo, the first thing I'll say to my boyfriend is, oh, what's it look like? Like I want details about it or, you know, conversations are completely different. They're just about, you know, the contents of Robin's nappy or what she's eaten. And we hardly talk to each other about, you know, what we've done in the day. I don't know if you guys have the same thing. Yeah, I think I think mine and Yuri's conversations are always about Sadie. Uh, even even when we get the very rare occasion like pre-COVID, where we have got like a babysitter, then we'll you know go out for dinner, like we'll go to that like, Hawks Mall or something, you know, really fancy, just the two of us, and then we'll just sit there with our phones and we'll look at videos of Sadie, and that's what <laughs> we'll classic. do. That's what that's we'll such do. A classic. And then we're like, but like, but before we go, we're like, right, you know, we'll have. Co- Tells, we'll go and have our steak and we'll have cocktails and we're like but after like dinner we're just like oh should we just go back and you know just get home to say to just watch her sleep <laughs> you know cart yeah I don't know we were just like I don't know we're just yeah Every, everything is about Sadie, like all our conversations, stuff like that. And even when we started having movie nights as well, like that's just with Sadie, like, you know, family, oh, it's, it's the best. I love a good movie night. I love it. It's so good. So like before kids then, what did you think about parenthood? Like, did you have conception about it? And then once you did have kids, did they change? Because I know that I had certain things where I thought, oh no, they can't have sugar till they're five or no screen time. <laughs> and literally, I know, I know. And now, you know, she's literally watching Paw Patrol. She's had a chocolate biscuit today for sure. <laughs> How about you guys? Definitely with me, I was just like, oh, we're definitely trying to limit how, because I actually had a very strict, well, I, my parents are really, really strict when it came to, um, but I didn't have chocolate or sweets, sugar, anything. So I was like easily into my 
double digits, basically. And um, uh, Riley, it's, it's funny. This is like as soon as my mum looks after Riley, she gives him chocolate at like eight thirty in the morning, and I'm like, "Hang on, mum, like what's this? Like I wasn't allowed chocolate until I was like twelve, <laughs> and it had to be after I'd done all my work. And then, but for me, like I don't know, maybe it's just if we got working parent girl because still and I both work so much at uh, Maymay together that whenever we see Riley we're just spoiling him at Maymay and he knows it that's the thing he knows it so he plays up to it um, and he's got into this bit where it's like well can he, he took little eggs and he's like no I just want to watch um, iPad, his iPad which he's just addicted to like Cocomelon was the, like, I, I literally have PTSD from that, uh, <laughs> that theme tune um so we had to switch it to like he's gone to Paw Patrol and YouTube kids now um so he's he's more efficient at using my iPad than me where he flicks and you know whatever he does the notifications and stuff he's just very very quick on it as a three-year-old and before then I was just like I never thought that my child would have like an iPad or be an iPhone until he's like 10 years old or something and it's just I don't know I just I feel like we just kind of he knows how to work us basically so we'll we'll be like gotta eat your eggs otherwise you can't have the ipad and he'll be like no no i'll eat my eggs and then he'll eat it so slowly so he can watch more um and i'll be like no no you just say i was gonna take this away and then he'll be like oh no i'm eating i'm eating see mommy i'm eating and that's like hmm being a bit manipulative now everyone says children don't aren't manipulative they are it's true when it's the oh, three-year-old boys they are yeah, completely. They know what they're doing. They're very smart. They're smarter than us, aren't they? You know, so yeah, definitely smarter. Um, I don't know. I suppose I thought I didn't. I wasn't anticipating the guilt. I feel guilty most of the time. I think, and I wasn't expecting to feel this much guilt. I think is is the main thing I've kind of had to sort of learn to live with. And the other thing is like, I suppose I I kind of sort of jumped into having kids, knowing that I've always wanted kids, but like I hadn't really sorted out any sort of shape of career at all and so that's kind of happened whilst having kids and that has meant that David my husband has had to do more of the parenting than me he's more present than me I would say in our daily routine and there was a lot of guilt in the first couple of years when I first started working as a chef um, about like not being there in the morning to give like my son breakfast and things like that I'm fine with it now it's okay I don't have to do the hard bit in the morning anymore you know so like like he does it but um yeah it's, it's the guilt that I struggled with well there is that line that they have isn't it that it takes a village to raise a child because I think nowadays obviously I've moved out of my home living with my boyfriend and it's not that same thing where say when my parents moved over from Vietnam so similar to you Hung, my family fled conflict and came to UK but they also came with a lot of extended families so um, my mum's brother my dad's brothers all their kids so my parents were raising not just their own kids but our cousins too and we were all living in close proximity and it's all like you know everyone's hands on deck whereas I think now I'm actually you know living quite far from my siblings and they've got their own kids but actually it's not as easy because especially during lockdown uh, we haven't been able to see each other and we've been on our own more and so yeah it's unsurprising that we have to fall onto other crutches like say you know the ipad which is another babysitter like totally it has to be done because we can't do it all on our own and places like nursery help out too so it's sort of slightly different I guess from what my parents generation were used to um did your did your families have the same I was born in Singapore and then my mum came over here with my dad when I was maybe like a toddler about Riley's age actually and then she had like no one around her and she reminds me every single day um (laughs) especially when she helps us look after Riley so much. I'm entirely grateful. I think that it does take a village to raise a child. Like, unfortunately for us, we have to pay for that help. Um, but uh, it's so difficult on your own. I just hats off to all the single parents out there because I yeah. don't know how they do it. I really don't. I think when, sometimes when I speak to my mum about this, so, so basically I live in London uh, my whole family live in Edinburgh and my partner, you and his family live in Edinburgh as well. So I guess like on paper, it makes sense for us to live, to move to Edinburgh just because we're family support and everything. But we just don't really want to make that transition just yet. 
And my mum, she's always like putting a little bit of pressure on me to like move up or she'll speak to my brother to ask me when I'm next moving up. And, um, and I think one of the things that my mum said, she said jokingly, but she actually meant it. This is when I was pregnant. She's, um, she said, why did I give birth in London? My mum will come down to London and then when she gets up to Edinburgh, she'll take Sadie with her as well. And then me and you, and we can just like carry on as life without the baby. And I was like, no, my God, what are you, are you joking? And she's like, no, no, no. You know, she goes, we do it in China, la. we do it in China, la. And it's what they did in China because mm. my, because so my mum, she was raised in uh, in Samdan, but in a, in a farming, a traditional farming village. And she was never raised by her own mum. She was raised by um, her, her her granny. So she's much closer to her granny than she was to her mum because her granny just raised her. And it's just and I and I and I said to my mum, "When are you actually joking? Because because I, I, I can't really tell because you're laughing, but you look really serious." She goes, "Yeah, I'm being serious. You give birth, I'll come down when the baby's two weeks old. I'll, you know, when I need to go back to Edinburgh, I'll take the baby with me, and then I can look after. I can raise your child." And I was like. <laughs> no not really and then um and even now um so I've come up to Edinburgh I've been in Edinburgh for about uh, four weeks now and I go back down to London in two weeks and my mum said this she asked me the same thing she says when you go down to London do you want to leave Sadie here and I went no <laughs> she wants to kidnap her basically yeah I think she does but I think she's just saying like how she's seen quite a lot of things which she's not used to like how busy um london life can be how expensive childcare can be that, that's the main thing she's looking at because i told her how much i'm paying for childcare. Mm. she was like that's ridiculous and it is ridiculous like how much childcare is and, and especially when i go back down to london i've got to increase um say these days at nursery just with ewan's um new job and everything so we're paying like a lot more money and mom, my mum's just she just can't get that over she, she can't comprehend how much it is and neither can I but she just she thinks the best solution is to <laughs> is to like either move back here or if not then I get back down to London and then say these days in Edinburgh I'm just like no I don't really want to do that but um yeah I think it's just totally different um totally different eras like when my mum um when my parents owned the takeaway you know we would we would always be in, in a shop and we would sometimes sleep and nap in the takeaway just because um, just because there wasn't really any other choice. And my mum would be serving customers and then she'd have like a sling either at the front of her or the back of her. And then I would, she'd serve customers with, you know, with me and my brother tied to her. So it's, uh, it's yeah, like, yeah. I, I've done that. <laughs> have you? Yeah, I had to do that with Riley when I was a chef. So I, I'd, there was no way we could afford on our chef wage and like how to like I just basically had them on my on the backpack basically the carrier and then I was just like cooking in front I think I got a picture of it me doing it in Stoke Newington oh, <laughs> totally oh. not EHO compliant but he was fine he slept the entire he just loves that noise and bustle and even when he comes here to the restaurant he just loves getting involved now like I haven't told him we've got an ice cream machine yet, so I think that's the end of his good, <laughs> his good uh, slender health. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we've got a little new soft serve machine, so he'll go absolutely nuts next time he comes there. But um, oh, I totally feel like I just, I, I, I think that's the one thing that just like hits everyone is the ch- cost of childcare is just insane and we don't even live in london that's why we moved out so that we save a bit of money on that it's just too expensive i think i must have spent about fourteen thousand on childcare in my first year about working where i work yeah and i actually at the time because i was in the middle of changing careers and like retraining and everything and i was on like a commie uh, chef salary so i was on maybe like seventeen thousand, i think and then obviously i had to pay my travel you know from where we was zone three no zone four to zone one so my father-in-law, bless him, sent me £200 a month just so that we would kind of break even. Do you know what I mean? This is the kind of things that you have to do because childcare is so, so expensive in, in this country. There's no kind of help with it, is there really? So it's, it's, it's tricky. But also like going back to what you're saying, because you, you know, you were talking about a village, needing a village to raise a child. Like my mum and dad had the opposite. Basically my mum's family 
all moved to California. And because um, my dad fought in the Vietnam War, he didn't want to move to America. So he came to the UK, which meant that my mum was sort of isolated because she didn't have like, her siblings around her, you know, and she was sort of, you know, one of seven. So she used to have a big family. So she had to raise us on her own. And she was never that good. She, you know, her English wasn't that great. And so she was quite isolated. So she sort of raised the three of us when my dad would go out to work. And it's just kind of quite isolating, quite lonely. And I kind of, I kind of understand how she was and the way she was now as an adult. But I didn't understand her, you know, back then. And I kind of, you know, I feel, feel for her now. I kind of sort of get how lonely that must have been for her. Um, you know, and it's, it's easier for us, it's easier for me, you know, because I can you know, speak English and talk and make friends and stuff like that. So even though we don't have like lots of family around us, we still have friends and things, you know, which is what my mum didn't have, which makes me really sad, you know. It's kind of like when I think about like what they had to go through to, to bring us little shits up, basically. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's that. But like talking about what, you know, your mum was suggesting to you, my, my brother's actually done that because I'm estranged from my brother, but he married... Um, a Chinese lady from, from the mainland, um, from Nanning. And what they did when they had their daughter, so she went over to Nanning and gave birth in Nanning. And um, after her maternity leave was up, she, she came back to the UK and left, left her daughter with her mum. And so my brother actually didn't meet his daughter for like four years, I think. So he met her over like, I don't know, Skype or something. And he wasn't until like quite a few years later that he met her. And that was just... They did that for financial reasons. He worked over here and they sort of paid off his various mortgages that he had in China. And now, now he lives out, out there now. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's it's just kind of a generational thing. It's just completely normal to send, send your kids elsewhere, I think. Yeah. yeah, I always wonder about how that difference in our parents' generation has affected like how we are and how we raise our kids. Because I know that similarly with my parents, because they lost everything when they had to come over to the UK, um, they've passed things down to me that I didn't even realise I started doing, like I hoard quite a lot and I can't throw things away very much because um, my mum, you know, has always got that thing where you could lose anything, like everything at any point, even though she's living quite comfortably here. I really doubt that people are going to come and force her out of her home and get her to flee. But because it stayed with her, she's now sort of the way that she's always kept things and similarly made me eat every morsel of food on my plate. I now have an almost involuntary reaction when you know, any food is left on the plate, or even if someone else does, I'm a bit like, because like, <laughs> uh, my mum is really like, you know, I hammed it into me that you just can't waste food. It's like the worst thing that could happen. And I feel like, um, you know, I could potentially also pass on to my daughter, you know, these certain things. Yeah, I don't think they're good or bad either way. I'm not saying I'm not complaining, but it's just things that have passed down. So yeah, it really interests me how, you know, that aspect of your heritage might actually affect you how you bring up your kids do you do any of you have those things around food the thing I say most is not eat it, it's good for you I say eat it it's expensive which is really bad isn't it like eat that bit that's expensive bit don't worry about that bit <laughs> eat the expensive bit eat the protein or eat the asparagus whatever it is that's the most sort of like pricey item on the plate they have to eat that bit up you know so uh, avocados yeah. yeah eat the avocados expensive my mum, she was. She told me the story how she, when she was in um NCT, so she did an NCT when she brought up me here. She was again lonely on her own, um, in a completely different country. And the NCT, I think one of the ladies there, sorry, the train's about to go overhead, um, said to my mum that I I was too skinny and I should eat more avocados. And back then, obviously, like avocados were just like a complete luxury in the eighties. You know, like she was. She was just like, okay, so she spent all this money on an avocado. I looked at it and went, no, I'm not eating that. <laughs> like, what is that? It's not a mango. Like, she tried to trick me it was a mango or something. And I was like, that's not it. And I just couldn't eat it. And she was just like, eat it. <laughs> so I felt really bad, like, when she told me that story. And then, ironically, Riley won't even touch um, avocados at all. Like, he looks at them and he just, like, hates them. Even though he's half Australian, he just won't touch an avocado. <laughs> Um, I'll say if one of you pour like condensed milk over it and have it as a sweet or like a do like a like a single like a Vietnamese one where they you know do like a smoothie and then make it like a sweet thing that's so bad isn't it to try and get your kids to eat avocado by giving them condensed milk that's like, like, not sweet. the way to no, go he, he sees anything green he, at the moment and he's just like bleh, bleh, bleh. Uh, even though he 
all he ate when he was a baby like was like he just couldn't get enough of it like broccoli peas everything mm. and now as a toddler he's just like looks at i don't know whether something at nursery or whatever he picks it mm. up like from other kids and but at home he just won't touch any greens like even sometimes carrots no. um but he'll, get, like, he'll come back to, to it he'll come back to it yeah we definitely we definitely try to like encourage him to eat all the food that i was brought up on like steamed fish tofu tomato rice he can't get enough of rice that's fine rice is life so he as long as so as long as he eats that and he's more than happy like that he makes his own scrambled eggs um, so he has like a mini, mini like got nazi lamax style sort of coconut rice cucumber and his egg and he's happy oh my god that's and so peanuts. cute <laughs> uh, we try yeah we try to like and most of the diet that we have at home is like the stuff that we were brought up on um and yeah we just try to like the stuff that i put in the book um and that's just like our dinner time i'm trying to encourage him to it's just normalize it and that's what he'll bring on like take on with to you know as he gets older it's not completely foreign so that's the difference is when i was brought up here in the uk in the most conservative county probably in the in the country in maidenhead and windsor um like it was just let alone me i was probably like the only Asian kid there it was like all the food I ate it was completely foreign to them so they were just bullying me senseless for just what I was eating and I don't want that for Riley I wanted to, you mm. know I, I can't imagine it would be now but it's just I just I don't, it feels strange that like he's already kind of got this like sort of bit more of a even playing field than we had mm. kind of growing up but yeah I don't know it's not, he, he's a fussy eater though it's really really exhausting a chef's son <laughs> it's really frustrating when you feed when you put like so much effort into your food for the kids and then they just don't eat it i'm just like just eat like one teaspoon just eat a tiny bit of chai just eat this pea no no just touch it touch it touch it touch it and it's so frustrating because i think sadie so sadie loves dim sum which is amazing like she can't get enough of it but just like no normal home cooked cooking I hope it's not my cooking but she doesn't it's really weird sometimes she'll eat um like you know like eggs or something like eat eggs and uh you know beef tomato we were talking about this the other day like she'll eat loads of it and then next day I make it again and she just won't eat it like there's just no consistency but the one thing that she just won't eat and it's really starting to bother me some days I've actually cried about this she won't eat any fruit and it's just and oh. I've, I've tried so hard I'm like have a banana sometimes she'll eat a banana and when she does like my like my heart just like bursts and sometimes she'll eat a mango as well but it's just not consistent so I had to like buy her these like ridiculously expensive Ella's pouches and the fruit pouches they're so expensive you can get like um refillable ones so you can blend it yourself and then fill the pouches and then just wash it. Try that because it's, those pouches are so expensive. So expensive. And you can't recycle them neither. That's the thing. So you can, you can wash out these pouches. You can get them on Amazon or something. And it's just like you get like a little fun on you and just fill them up. And just So you could just like use one of those like, you know, bullet, neutral bullet things yeah, and just yeah. blend up fruit. But I'm the opposite. Riley would only eat fruit. He's literally, he can oh, destroy so an entire lucky. box of oranges. I don't know, so he won't eat any, eat, very fussy with meat, won't eat any uh, anything other than chicken or fish. Most, most, he just eats fish mainly. Um, but vegetables, like, it's, it's just a diet of fruit. He's a fruit bat, that's what he is. He eats <laughs> fruit nonstop, but that's oh, it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I tell myself. One of the things that I heard, and I don't know if it's true, but they say that, the kids changing palate is in relation to what they feel they need nutrient wise. So if sometimes they only eat protein, then that maybe means they're having a growth spurt or something. And if they only want to eat, say, carbs or fatty things, maybe it means they're at that time in their growth, they need to bulk up. Or if it's sugar, I guess they might be tired. But that's what I tell myself to make myself feel better. <laughs> Robin has like certain, you know, food things that she doesn't eat. And I'm just like, okay, it's your, it's part of your growth. It's fine. <laughs> I just forget about it. But yeah, it does get frustrating when it is like, you know, a whole food group where you're just like, no, you, you have to at least eat at least one, 
you know, veggie. But it's interesting what you're saying about, you know, um, Georgie said Sadie really likes dim sum because I was talking the other day to someone who was mentioning to his kids, he's getting them to eat stuff like durian and uh, really strong flavors because he's like, I want to make sure that they have a broad palette that includes you know, um, Southeast Asian or East Asian flavors. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting because I have to say that I really struggle because I'm second generation and my my mom cooked us really amazing food. She spoke constantly to us in Cantonese. I feel that I'm failing a bit in passing that to my daughter because first of all, I'm not as good a cook as her. And second of all, my Cantonese is like shit. So I'm passing on to her like the pure dregs of what I feel like I should be in terms of her heritage but you know I'm trying my best but it does worry me and I'm like I'll have to send her to a school so she's you know properly taught because I I don't want her to lose it and it's it's you know a, something for me where I feel like those are the small vestiges of my um you know my heritage and my past that I want to keep and I'm proud of but at the same time I'm just like what how can I help you I don't know what to do because I'm just so bad at all these things that my parents are great as so what what do you guys do in terms of you know if you want to passing on any aspect of your heritage to your kids oh amy don't shoot yourself down you know i'm in the same boat as you honestly because um i used to call myself first generation because i was like the first generation to be born here but apparently i've, I've got it all wrong because i'm second generation as well and uh, a similar boat to you as well like i feel very passionate about um educating sadie to embrace her scottish and also her chinese culture but because i'm I'm not Scottish, like you in Scottish, I have to leave that to, to, to him. Uh, but the Chinese and the Eastern Southeast Asian culture, then I'll definitely embrace it. I speak to her in very broken Cantonese. And, you know, and thank you, Amy, for that book that you sent me as well, learning how to speak Cantonese. I've teach her that as well. And um, like I take her to, to Chinatown um, and I take her to, you know, we eat so much like dim sum. We, um, I, since... I think since Easter Eats, I've been cooking a lot more Chinese food. So we all eat that as a family, which I think is really important. And I think it's important because that's a food which I was brought up eating from, uh, from Maxfield days. So I think that to me is very, that's for me, that's my number one priority what what is it priority? I don't know, but what I can like pass down to her because I don't, and, you know, even if she grows up and she doesn't want to speak Cantonese and she doesn't want to eat the rice, which hopefully she will, but if she doesn't want it, then at least I've done my bit. I don't want her to grow up thinking, oh, I wish my mum cuts me Chinese food or I wish my mum spoke Cantonese to me. I don't really, I don't really want that. So I think that's, that's what I want to pass down to her. How about, how about you, Hung? Is there anything that you feel like you want to pass on or, you know, what have you done? It's, it's complicated isn't it I mean similar to Georgie like because you know David's Welsh and I'm I'm Vietnam so I mean I feel like being Vietnam itself is a bit of a disconnect because we're Chinese but I, I only speak Vietnamese you know so there's there's that so I grew up eating a lot of of Cantonese foods as well as Vietnamese food but um and then you know my mum passed away when I was 19 so there's there's that disconnect as well and I suppose in a way I think in a way marrying someone white and having mixed race kids has made me uh, assess or question what it means, you know, for them to have this kind of heritage more in a way, I guess if I was with somebody who was of EC heritage, we wouldn't, would, we'd be, maybe we wouldn't talk about it. It just wouldn't, it, we'd be doing it and it wouldn't be sort of this conscious effort in a way. Um, but like, it's also in some ways, I'm wondering whether I'm, creating sort of a, a different kind of EC identity for them because we were really like really just dirt our sport growing up so like we never went to dim sum when I saw dim sum it was because I was working in a Chinese restaurant behind the bar with my mum so I saw other people eat dim sum or like the first time I had like Hamsi Gok was because my dad had bought like a bag home from work do you know what I mean and we fried it up at home or like he would like he learned to make a chicken feet so we had like chicken feet but like piles of it as opposed to just like the three that you get in a portion so in that sense, I don't have that kind of dim sum Sunday kind of tradition. Um, I didn't grow up with that because we were poor. But then now I've kind of created that tradition for my kids. So we do go out to dim sum like, you know, once a month, twice a month. Yeah. And I guess actually grow like as a young adult, I didn't eat that much kind of Chinese food. 
but it was actually I think one time my dad came around um, to see me after after work and then I was sort of rushing to get some food on and you know when you've sort of like you know your, your budget's quite small and so you buy kind of uh, cuts of meat that require longer cooking times you know and I was putting in a pressure cooker and all this sort of stuff and my dad was just, I was just making stir fry and rice you know it's quick you know why are you why are you why are you doing this why are you trying to make a pie in a mid, you know midweek you know why are you being stupid you know and I was like oh yeah you're right and he said you know just just make some put some rice on and make a stir fry that will do it's quick and so that's kind of how I've been cooking for the last sort of two or three years you know just sort of like it's just quicker um and now and they you know like Riley like my kids love rice and um you know, when they sort of, when they haven't had rice for a few days and then I give them a rice, but like, oh yeah, good, proper food. You know, that, that's coming from them. That's not coming from me, <laughs> you know, which is lovely, you know, or like, um, you know, like when I'm making like fur and I'm like charring the onions in my house, you know, like they love that smell. That's for them, that's the smell of home. So I'm kind of having to sort of carve out my own kind of easy sort of heritage of passing that on to them, you know. Um, language wise, I mean, my Vietnamese isn't great. So that's why... I can never do, you know, to like bring up a bilingual child, you have to speak to that child almost exclusively in that language for it to work. Whereas my Vietnamese is quite broken and I can converse with my dad, but I'm not confident enough to like just converse solely in, in Vietnamese. And so in that sense, they kind of understand phrases, but they, they don't, and they're never going to be fluent in it, you know. And I actually looked at some lessons, which were for like beginners in Deptford. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should go along to these lessons, you know, and I realised they're for children, not for adults. <laughs> you know, I send them, but not me. So that was the kind of stage that I'm at. Um, but, yeah, so I've kind of had to sort of, I don't know, I'm kind of happy with what we're doing and I'm kind of quite confident in in myself and my my identity and I'm just sort of, we, we have conversations, we talk about it a lot and and there's a kind of really sort of deliberate um, awareness that I'm trying to create for them that they kind of understand that, you know, their grandpa's quite old and when he's gone you know that that's going to be sad and so I want them to learn stuff and know stuff about you know where they're, where they're from and you know the fact that they're got mixed heritage you know so yeah yeah how about how about you Liz because um yeah I always think about that EC Eats um thank you thank you Georgie for creating the EC Eats hashtag uh, together with Agatha the best hashtag the best hashtag yeah. ever yeah I'm just thinking about dim sum now, loads. I'm going to bring Riley into Chinatown and get some dim sum on Saturdays. I got the Saturday off. So. Um, well, obviously, the only thing that I wasn't taught um, the, any languages when I was younger because I was bullied for it. So we st- my mum stopped teaching me. Um, and we never really picked up. I'm actually atrocious with languages anyway, so I barely can speak English. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I singlish is all we have. Um, but uh, we, um, yeah, the only what my strongest point was least the cooking. So I just, just at home, it's just like feeding, like trying to teach them all about like, our heritage through the food. Yeah. Um, wrote Macan, that's the whole point of like, you know, the passing on all of that sort of knowledge to him. Um, and just, yeah, he absolutely, he takes to it, but not, it, it could be more like he, even at three and a half years old, he's still not really speaking like fluently. He's kind of like in his own like babbly language still. Um, but he makes it very, very clear when he wants something. So, uh, and I think like most three and a half year olds, he's just very headstrong. So he'll just go and get it himself. Um, but when it comes to like trying to, t- we, we still do things like when it comes to Chinese New Year, we get them all dressed up and we do the oranges and the red packets and um I say Luna New Year now actually um and then yeah he comes to Mamet quite often so he sees all the sort of foods and um the environment as well the restaurant and he's kind of like just grown up around this sort of food now um which is one thing is quite nice it's really really nice it's how I was brought up like barely on anything at all you know having like you say like the slow cooked meats and then all like she would take the feather blade and then she would like trim it all right down and then use the stir fry for that. Even though it'd be a bit tougher, but it still worked as a mm. stir fry beef. Um, but because it was a cheap cut, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm just trying all the sort of thrifty things I'm trying to pick off my mum now because both still and I work at the restaurant. So it's it's kind of like, hold on for dear life now. We're <laughs> going through this pandemic. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been really, really um been a pleasure like just showing him like exploring like i think we we've shared them like things like chili and all those exotic fruits with him quite early on so i was able to get access to them 
and he's had chili quite a lot. Like, I'd be surprised I make a sam, like like I said, Nazi Lamak, and I forget I put a sambal in there, and he'll still be eating it. Um, so I don't know whether it's just like he's just got no taste buds whatsoever, or it's just like <laughs> a bit more. He's just a bit more competent with chili. Um, he absolutely loves garlic, um, pepper. I'm surprised he'd make a scrambled egg, so just go to town with the pepper, things like that. So it's kind of like trying to introduce the spices and all the different flavors. I haven't braved durian yet, only because my husband won't allow me to have durian in the house. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to be outside. I mean, I only I got banned with having black china in the house, toasting that off. And the, oh my goodness, it stank out the house. Like it was just, for me, I was just like, this is so heavenly. <laughs> <laughs> And still it's just like we have a basement flat you have to do this outside <laughs> so luckily now um, we've got a restaurant with no roof so it's fine here but um yeah he is trying like i don't know i'm just trying to make sure that riley's just super super like attuned with you might not come across this other than probably what we're experiencing now like your friends probably won't come across it's your job now to you know educate them what it is it's not not stinky it's not wrong it's just different and wonderful you just need to try it um but uh yes we've still got a long way to go because he's, he's still young he's only three and a half but um i can't believe he's going to be going to school next year i have to start making lunch i know i just can't get my head around it like we're having to like practice putting him in like um he's got a school uniform for nursery but preschool so we have to try and get i mean just trying to get him into clothes full stop is a battle um but trying to get him in like uniforms so he's getting ready for school and it just blows my mind i'm just like oh yeah what what little lunchbox am i gonna make it because that's the one thing i love from my mom so much she'll make me like the best lunchboxes but then i remember being again bullied for all the lunchboxes i got so i'd eat them in the bathroom oh, <laughs> oh, really no. sad yeah she made me like this like um like rice like uh, sushi rice with a bit of furikake and then little chicken drumsticks and little sushi bits even though we're not Japanese but we had a lot of Japanese friends and mum just loved cooking it it was easy and quick for her and um yeah I, I remember coming home she was like I, I said to her I said mum I can't have this anymore I just need uh ham and cheese sandwiches um and I hated the sandwiches when I was younger um but now Ironically, I can't get Riley to eat a single sandwich. He's a bit like, well, what's this, mum? Like, <laughs> I've spoiled him a bit too much, maybe. <laughs> He's like, I don't, I don't, why is this? Why is there bread of the bit? He just he pulls it apart and analyzes it. And he's like, no, I'll just go for that bit, please. <laughs> the fish, please. <laughs> yeah, Robin does that as well. She dissects all her food. Like, if yeah. there is one onion, like, we've mistakenly, or you know, we'll, green. Yeah, a little bit of green. She'll be like, ew and she'll pick out like it's a tiniest bit and she's like how how did you even see that and then yeah she'll try and we're we're making a scrambled eggs with a lot of like spinach or something in the bottom like a fry for spinach and try and hide it in there and then i'll like getting into him and he'll be like eating it's like "Mm, it's really nice and then all of a sudden like he's sipped it through (laughs) and he's just like looks at me goes no (laughs) (laughs) no so and that's all he'll say but nothing else just like the most cutting words he can say just looks at me no so it's what i do to my chefs like he just goes no <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah just trying to expose him to a lot at a young age but whether he's taking it in or not i don't know it's, we'll see but at least um i feel like i'm just saying i'd love to be able to speak like Cantonese and mandarin like, i try picking it up i could barely speak French from GCSE school so it's just so difficult because we can't yeah you need somebody to be practicing with or speaking with constantly and um I think my mum she speaks a mixture of Cantonese Mandarin Hokkien like Japanese like a bit of everything so it's just all being promoted mm. but, so uh, she'll be speaking to me and I'll be like I, I, okay I'm not sure which one that is now <laughs> But I know when she's telling me off, that's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell my kids off in Vietnamese, so they know. Sometimes Chinese, actually, I tell them off sometimes in, in Cantonese as well. So, like, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, that's an important bit, isn't it, really? When they know they're getting a bollocking <laughs> in, your, in your language and stuff. So, but yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like when I came to Maymay last year and I bought all those kind of um, like kaya or jam and sambals and stuff and they were really up for trying it. They loved it. And then we went to see an art cafe um, a couple of days ago and they were just like eating 
we had, we, uh, my husband got a Nazi in the Mac and he was eating like, you know, um, my son was eating the anchovies, my daughter was eating the anchovies. So they were just like really keen to try stuff. And it's, um, yeah, I think, yeah, doing exactly what um, you guys are doing. We work it's just like exposing them to different kinds of food very early on. And yeah, they're not going to eat the greens now, but they will in a few years. You know, my son eats lettuce now and he didn't. Well, at three, he wouldn't eat lettuce, didn't eat spinach, you know, where he quite enjoys it now. Yeah. Um, Whenever they made I a see- yeah. No, whenever I see your guys's when you post stuff on Instagram, I just I'm just like, please adopt my daughter. Like <laughs> your food is amazing. Yeah, I mean the thing is, I I offer it all to them. You know, so there's always something green. There's always usually some like some fish or some meat, and there's some kind of soup. You know, the soup bit is where I know they would probably take in their vegetables. Do you know what I mean? So they like soups. So I'm really lucky that they like soup. But like, if I did stir fry my greens on the side, my daughter wouldn't eat it. But if I put it in soup, she will. So. I don't know. I mean, they'll, they'll get, they're getting there, you know, so it's just have to keep trying yeah. and not despair. You know, they're both healthy. They're OK. So yeah. some days are better than others. And so, I mean, I also bribed them. I did do sticker charts with them. So I did bribe them with sticker charts. Like, And one of the columns for a long time was just like, eat something green each, each day and they get a sticker, you know. So, yeah. It's all about the bribery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But one thing's actually um, that Robin does um, sometimes when I know that she's picked something up and it's really cute, um, she'll eat something or she'll even just have pretend food, like she'll be in her play kitchen or any real food. She'll go, you know, she speaks English most of the time. It's what she defers to. But sometimes she'll go, mmm, homemade, yeah. And that means uh, really tasty in Cantonese. And it's so cute in her little voice. I'm like, I tear up. I'm just like, oh, my God, you're speaking Cantonese. Like, it means so much to me. But to her, it's like, you know, uh, I think she probably picked up from, I think sometimes I watch Cantonese Peppa Pig or something. Uh, That's that's how I teach her Cantonese. Wait, what? you know I think going back to one of the questions you asked like you know what would you not give your kid like when you before you had kids I was gonna say screen time but now I'm just like yeah here's a remote control help yourself love <laughs> <laughs> yeah our remote control has a button for kids and it just goes straight to Paw Patrol oh it's- my gosh yeah it helps me like it just it's like mum's got to work here you go give him the remote he's like oh button straight away (laughs) i try not i think just oh it just helps it's netflix helps it's such a lifesaver i don't know how people did it before i don't think anyone would survive the pandemic without the netflix or like because when they started locking up all the playgrounds with the cable ties and stuff that was heartbreaking like we were getting Mm. our like you know our daily walk and walking past it and he'll be screaming like tantrum, like full on blown tantrums because he couldn't go in the playground. And Riley, we literally need to take him to a playground every single day because he has so much energy. Um, he actually managed to break one of the gates, like the cable ties one day and got in. It was almost like he started like this sort of horde of kids that just saw a gate open, they all locked in. And I was like, and you can see like there's this heart rate like manager, which is like, who started this? And I was like, no, not me, not me, not me. Like, let's just grab Riley. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> At Westfield as well, I broke, broke the lock. It was like a, there's basically like a, a playground in one of the corridors of hallways in Westfield. There's like a little play kit, like kids' play area. It's like soft play almost. And they buried it off by just putting like a, a lollipop sign or something. And of course, all the kids just went in and that sign kind of pushed aside. So I remember I saw one of the security guards come in and she's like, what are all these kids doing here? It's not COVID safe. And all the kids were just like, ah. <laughs> and they were loving it. And I was just like, I can't really, I don't really want to bring him out because I was just like, it's just so happy. But um, yeah, it was just a full like sanitizing down some like D10 or something after. <laughs> but I think the kind of screen time that we give our kids is better. It's better screen time now than when we had when we were kids because we, we didn't have like tv on demand did we so like I mean I, we the tv was often our babysitter as well because like my parents would like they'd go through times where they were like sewing from the other room you know like the stone piecemeal sort of thing for like various funny companies like and some as whatever but like lots of funny companies and so they'd be like in a separate room sewing and then so we'd be the three of us just in the living room and had nothing but the tv for like six weeks on end you know in the summer to like look after us so at least now they've got like decent quality you know programming like Peppa Pig I think you know it's a good show I like it I like I don't want to sit down to that you know well Pixar's amazing 
um, you know, like you have um, film night with Sadie on Friday. We have film night as well. And they're getting to that age now where they can sort of start watching sort of more, you know, films like Back to the Future and stuff like that we've watched together. Um, so it's really good. So like, you know, so we, I, I think screen time is really good. And like, especially when we watch things together, I think screen time is a really valuable way of, of learning and uh, spending time with each other. I mean, like we watched like um, a whole 16 episodes of like K-drama together. We watched Goblin together, which was just brilliant. So now my daughter's obsessed with like Korean stuff. and She's been going around like doing like the Korean love hearts like this, you know, like all week. And that's made me laugh. That's made me smile. So, um, yeah, I just love it. I just think it's really good. Yeah. No, I was just going to say um, with the screen time stuff, like kids nowadays also have really great things. Say, you know, Raya, there is Over the Moon. And I know they're not mm. perfect, but at least it's something. Like oh, I yeah, grew up absolutely. with just Disney, which was like, you know, Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella. And so now mm. at least they have some representation right yeah, they do definitely yeah, yeah definitely anyway to wrap up the podcast I just have one final question which is the one I'm looking forward to most actually which is do you have any parenting confessions um so something I guess something that you do which is kind of naughty but is you know sort of a getting a shortcut to raising your kids like um one I do is this is purely by mistake but with Robin as you mentioned Liz it takes toddlers forever to get ready to do anything like you need an hour either side to get kids dressed right to go to nursery and um one time we were feeling lazy and we had um the cleaner around and she was you know coming in she's going to help us clean the house and um robin's just taking forever and just off the cuff i was just like oh if you don't get dressed the cleaner's gonna come clean you away and i've never seen her put on her clothes so quickly and she's like mommy mommy hold me and she i had to hold her because she was so scared that the cleaner was gonna come and put her in the bin bag and take her away and i feel really bad because anytime we do have one she gets really scared and you know she's got proper fit and i feel awful i feel so, so bad it's really awful Riley would be like yeah it's ap <laughs> <laughs> nothing gets past him he's just like yeah i'll call your bluff mum like he's just like he's certainly done plus player i have to basically like give him like an iphone or something to get him dressed like this morning i'll be like yeah my ipad and I was just like, right, I'm trying to get him dressed because he just won't cooperate. And his head is, I don't know, he's just, I love him to bits. He's just so, like, he's a fiery character, but just like, it's tough. I think one confession it has to be like, maybe he gets just, just spoiled too much. That's easy to do, I think. Um, you know, especially if they're an only kid, I feel like, you know, they get all the attention, don't they? Uh, but how about you, Georgie? Is there anything you do with Sadie? Oh, I don't know. Um, I was going to say, like, the one of confessions is, like, when I gave her maybe a little bit too much um, lactose and then she had the big, big poo, like, the big punami. I think that's probably, like, a confession because I know <laughs> I shouldn't have given it to her, but I just didn't want her to be constipated because I'm so obsessed with her poos. <laughs> yeah. So my confession sounds really boring in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Riley addicted on um, those truffle crisps. You know, the Torres. He just can't oh, eat yeah, any yeah, like, yeah. other. Because we have Brindiza next door to Mei Mei. Uh... Um, and so we were like, he just basically runs, he basically runs the entire market. Like he just runs around and he he sees these packets of black truffle crisps. And I swear, like, they're so expensive. <laughs> like five pounds a packet or something, aren't they? Oh, I've had them so before. He, he will literally <laughs> sit and eat an entire packet. But he won't eat any other crisps now. He looks too good. Nah, he's a bit of a, a crisp snob now. And I'm like, how have I so raised funny. this kid that's crisp, crisp snob? Like, he only eats the Spanish Torres black truffle ones. I just, oh, so bad. <laughs> how about you, Hung? Do you have any? So, no, I mean, I'm just thinking of all the instances when I'm a bad parent. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I basically, their um, bedtime is officially eight o'clock which is quite early for, for a 10 year old, but it's because, you know, they take a long time to fall asleep and then they share a room. So they just um, talk and play for quite a while. But basically I say to them that they're, they're on their own at um, eight o'clock. I'm no longer a parent. I'm like clocking off now. I'm, I'm done for the, for the day. And if they've, if they've um, want any help, they're going to need to go and talk to their dad. <laughs> so that's me basically. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad parent. <laughs> that sounds totally reasonable to me yeah great yeah it's like a job though yeah 
It's totally. Uh, well, I have to say thank you so much to all of you. We've come to the end of our podcast. I really enjoyed that. I feel like I've got lots of tips, you know, to what to do. Uh, basically more screen time and just give them to eat whatever they want, uh, which I'm totally up for. Uh, but yes, please do check out Mrs. Hung Black, The Modern Chef and Chinese Chippy Girl on your Instagram. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much to everyone. Uh, I so appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. Nice to chat to you all, so. But where are you from? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, cool chocolate ball, where have you eat my bum?